You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Exodus 31, I want to read um, a couple of those verses again and follow along with me. And uh, I just want to make sure that we see them to get a good foundation of the message. Uh, Make sure you have your Bible out. Let's turn off our cell phones, silence them, make sure that there is no distraction and uh, focus in on God's word. I'm not going to be swinging from the chandeliers tonight. Come back on Sunday morning if you want to see that. Uh, I just want to be a help to you and I want to give you some practical things. Um, Preaching on the subject called by name, called by name. And I got that when I saw there in Chapter 31, verse 2, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Do you see that? I have called by name Bezalel. Why did he call him? Well, in verse 3, he says, I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Have you ever wondered why you have the desires that you have? Why you have the talents that you have. Why you are able to do some things easily that other people really struggle with. You ever wondered that? Verse 4, to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass. That wasn't something that everybody could do. That was difficult. In cutting of stones to set them and carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. I have given with him a holy ab. That's a name for you. The son of Ahissamach, that's an even better one, of the tribe of Dan. Now there's one that we know. And look at this last part. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, who put the wisdom? In the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, God said, I have put that wisdom. Now why did he give them that wisdom? That they may make all that I have commanded thee. So the context of this passage of scripture starts all the way back in Exodus 25. Um, And from Exodus 25, really to the end of the book, to Exodus chapter 40, we find the story of the tabernacle. And it's easy for us to read through these chapters without giving them much thought. In fact, a lot of people look at these chapters as somewhat boring and dry because it's just a lot of plans and plans and plans and thou shalt make it this many cubits and this many cubits long and this many cubits wide and all of that. But I challenge you to take your time to read through these chapters on your own, read through these chapters and think of what must have been going through Moses' mind as God explained these plans to him. Moses and the people are in the middle of the desert at the base of Mount Sinai and they've been there for a while now and freshly escaped from slavery in Egypt and God begins describing this tabernacle that they need to build. And while this tabernacle was only 15 feet wide, 15 feet tall, and 45 feet long, that was it. The, uh, the Temple of Solomon wasn't, uh, wasn't much bigger. Actually, the Temple of Solomon was twice as big as the tabernacle. Not a big building at all. 15 feet wide, 15 feet tall, 45 feet long. But the plans for this tiny tabernacle here were so massive in expense so massive in importance, it must have blown Moses' mind. A very small tent. Are we getting a buzz? Do you hear that too? Are we just going to shut that off? 
We're going to shut that off and sell it with the old van. Goodness. Talk, talk, talk. <laughs> that was a lot of pressure right there. I totally I didn't know what to say. That's like when you're on the phone with a telemarketer and you're trying to explain the, phonic, the phonics of something. And I'm always so jealous of military people. You know, A for alpha, D for delta, and H for hotel, <laughs> S for sugar, and... And whenever I do it, I'm like, B for bu 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 And you forget every <laughs> baguette. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so anyways, put me under uh, some pressure there. I'm sorry. OK. Focus back in. All right. Small tent. 15 by 15 by 45. That's it. But the materials for it were the finest, the finest that men could get their hands on. Only the most precious metals. Only the costliest jewels. Uh, it needed very rare dyes of blue and purple and scarlet. Uh, it needed the best spices and oils. Now, if Moses were to ignore these plans, if he were to deviate from these plans, let's say, oh, I, that's going to be a little too expensive to make that part out of pure gold. Let's make it with brass instead because it looks the same. If he were to substitute anything, the, tab the tabernacle would not have been according to God's plan. The plans were exact because the purpose was exact. This is where God was going to meet with his people. And what I'm trying to bring out is this. And I'm going somewhere, trust me. You're looking at me like I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. So the plans were exact because the purpose was exact. When Moses wrote down these list of materials needed, when he understood the importance of such a place, he must have trembled at the thought of it. Can you put yourself in Moses' sandals for a little bit? Ask this question. How are they going to build something so expensive and so important in the middle of the desert? He didn't have a Home Depot could go to it wasn't a Lowe's blue light sale or is that is that Kmart I, I have no do no clue whatever they needed materials they need these materials the plans called for gold and silver and brass and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and precious stones and much more and not only did it call for those things and a lot a lot of those things and they needed those materials or God's plan for the tabernacle would be neglected now, I want us to see something here. This isn't my message, but we'll, we'll see something here. Stay in Exodus chapter 31. We'll keep our place there. But look in verse 12, uh, chapter 12. Look in chapter 12 of Exodus. I want, I want us to see something here. God is calling for all of these materials in the middle of the desert. At the base of Mount Sinai, he's calling for gold and silver and brass and jewels and precious ointment and perfume and these different oils that they could mix in order to make a certain scent. But look with me in chapter 12, verse 35. The children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. This is when the Israelites are exiting Egypt. They did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians. They borrowed. <laughs> We're bringing this back, right? Uh, we, they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, Look at the next four words. And the Lord gave. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the Egyptians. Every piece of costly material that God called for in the plans of the tabernacle, he had already provided for them when they left Egypt. 
When God's will brings a bill, expect a check in the mail. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. You can write that down. Just make sure it's God's will. But if it's God's will, it's God's bill. He will take care of it. All right, so we can go ahead and look back to Exodus 31. God's plan needed materials, so God provided the materials. That's the way that God works. All they had to do was give them back. That's it. If they would give them back, they had all the materials that they needed to build that tabernacle, and they did. But there was something else that they needed. Yes, they needed materials, but more than that, they needed men. And ladies, I'm not excluding you either, but they needed people. They needed personnel. Where do we find the gold needed to make the Ark of the Covenant? That's a good question. The thing was solid gold. Where do we find the gold to make the Ark of the Covenant? That's a really good question. How about this question? Once you find the materials to make it, who's going to make it? Who's going to make the Ark? Where do we find the materials for the tabernacle? That's a good question. But once you find the materials, who's going to oversee the project? Who's going, who knows how to sew the veil? Who knows how to cut the gems? Who knows how to administrate the work? Some people in here, you are just natural administrators. Other people, you would rather gnaw off your leg with a dull number two pencil. Some people are good with people. Some people are not. They become preachers. But <laughs> some people just have a natural ability to administrate. Who knows how to manage laborers? Who knows how to forge the brass? They had the materials, but they needed the men. And so the title of my message tonight is Called by Name. Do you realize that you and I are here on this earth, in this country, in this state, in this city, in this church, in this service, in that chair, at this moment in time for a specific and divine purpose? Do you understand that? Maybe you don't understand that. Do you believe that? Don't have to understand it in order to believe it. I don't understand how a black and white cow can give white milk, but when you churn it, it turns into yellow butter. I don't understand it. But I do believe that milk and cows and butter are delicious. You don't have to understand everything to believe it. So do you believe that you are in, on this earth in this country, in this state, in this city, in this church, in that chair at this moment in time for a specific and divine purpose. Do you believe that? We may not understand every road it took to get us here. We may not often give it serious thought, but I want you to give it serious thought tonight. We may believe that there isn't much we can do for God and that there isn't much that God can do with us. And whether that belief, come, that belief comes through humility or whether it comes from fear, or whether it comes from uh, laziness. I don't know. But every single living human being that believes that God cannot use them is wrong, wrong, wrong. God can use you. God will use you. More than that, God wants to use you. From the youngest person here, Levi, God wants to use you. Did you know that? Everly, God wants to use you. Did you know that? Miss Megan, God wants to use you. And he can use you and he will use you. In fact, every one of us here will come to a day when God calls you by name for something. So tonight I want to give you three reasons why I know that day's coming. If it hasn't come already, some of you it's coming right now. God has been knocking at your heart's door and you've been ignoring him. You better answer his call. He's not going to call forever. God is calling you by name for something. To take that next step of faith, 
to do something great for him and in his name and for his glory. And here's how I know that that is true. And I'm going to give you three points. And under that, really that last point, I'm going to give you four really practical things to remember. Okay? Uh, I don't want to be long here. So number one, how do I know it's true that every one of us is going to come to a day when God will call you by name? Well, number one, as God has a plan for his people then, he has a plan for his people now. As God had a plan for his people then, he has a plan for his people now. Look with me in chapter 25, if you would. We're going to be turning in our Bibles tonight. I hope you don't mind. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 and 9. This is here at the base of Mount Sinai again. And look at what God tells Moses. And let them, let my people make me a sanctuary. That's the tabernacle that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle. And the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. That word pattern is talking about a plan. It's talking about a blueprint that they needed to follow. God had a specific plan for his people. He had a supernatural vision of start all the way to finish. A divine pattern for his people to follow in order for them to fulfill his plan. And I believe without a shadow of doubt that God also has a plan for this church. And he has a supernatural vision beginning to end for this church. And he has plans for this church to follow. I believe he has one for your family. Whether it's started yet or not, he has one for your family. I believe he has one for your Sunday school class, teacher. He has one for your bus route, Miss Gina. He has one for uh, your ministry, ushers. He has a vision and a plan for your ministry. Brother James, he has a plan for your podcast ministry. Miss Sally and, and Miss Daniela watching, he has a plan for your music ministry. Young men and ladies in the orchestra, he has a plan for that. He has a plan for your youth group. He has a plan for your career. He has a plan for your education. Some of you are in school right now working like crazy. He has a plan for that. God has a plan for that. And it is far beyond what you and I can ever imagine. God's plan in every case reaches farther and blesses greater and comforts deeper and satisfies fuller than our plan ever could. Do you know what a person who follows his own plan and a person who follows God's plan have in common? They do have something in common. Do you know what they have in common? Both of them ask the same question. How did I get here? The one who follows God's plan asks it because he has no idea how he could ever reach so high. But the one who follows his own plan asks it because he has no idea how he could ever stoop so low. But they ask the same question. God has a plan, a grand plan, a master plan, a beautiful plan for you and for everything that is involved in your life. A plan that we could never draw up if we had a thousand lifetimes. Moses and Israel never would have come up for the plans of the tabernacle on their own. The beauty of that place, the instruments, the layout of the courts and the holy of holies and the holy place. They never would have thought about that. The, the intricacy of the structure, the symbolism of all of the elements, they never would have thought about that. When you read Leviticus and Deuteronomy and you see how everything points to Jesus Christ, they never would have thought about that. And they were far greater, God's plans were far greater than man's mind ever could comprehend. And the same could be said of God's plan for this church and for your family and for your career and for your education, for your ministry, whatever it may be. So don't you dare seek to follow your own plan for those things. Compared to God's plan, your plan is laughable. 
and I'm not trying to be rude, I'm just trying to be truthful. Compared to God's plan, your plan is shadows and dust. And I'll prove it to you. In chapter, it's, this is why I use the word laughable, okay? Follow with me again and come with me into the dangerous realm of my imagination. In chapter 25, God has a plan for his people to worship him. He says, I want you to build me a tabernacle. In chapter 32, Israel also has a plan to worship God. Chapter 25, God has a plan. I want my people to worship me. Chapter 32, Israel says, we have a plan too. God's plan is a tabernacle, a beautiful place, a symbolic place, a perfect place, a holy place. Israel's plan, a cow. A golden calf. That's the best that they could come up with. And you know where they got that idea? Egypt is where they got that idea. Egypt is where they learned how to worship beasts and things of this earth. And mark it down, when you are left to your own devices, even the best that you can come up with is going to be tainted by the world. And it's going to be nothing compared to what God can do with you. If you were to take a basketball from this closet over there, the basketball isn't really much. You put it in the hands of any of these boys right here, you won't be able to do a lot with it. Put it in the hands of Michael Jordan, you'll win six championships. Take a golf ball. I have a golf ball on my shelf. In the, in the, I'm, I can't do much with it. I've tried. Can't do much with it. I can balance two of them on top of each other. But put that in front of Tiger Woods. Put that in front of Roy McIlroy. Put that in front of... There's, there's Dustin Johnson, you'll win championships. And when you look at yourself and you put it in your hands, you're not going to be able to do a lot with it. Put it in God's hands, he'll do something great with it every single time. How foolish must those Israelites have felt when they saw those plans of the tabernacle and compared it to their moo cow? That's the best that they could do. God has a plan and it is far beyond what we can ever imagine. Now, as we live for him, he is going to begin to reveal that plan to you. When you're four years old, you don't know who you're going to marry. I've met some 12-year-olds who thought that they knew who they were going to marry. But you have no idea. But as you grow and as you serve him and as you live for him, he's going to start revealing this plan to us. He will show us his plan for Heritage Baptist Church. He will show us his plan for, your, for our families. He'll show us his plan for our careers and our education and our bus route and all of that. And think about this. Because it is something that we could never comprehend, when God starts revealing that plan, what is usually our first reaction? There's no way. There's no way God is going to use me to do that. That? I am not trying to, to belittle the, the, the past in any way. I'm not saying that Brother Rusty was out of God's will. But Brother Rusty, when you, when you were just following what you, what you were going to do the, the right way, you ended up working for the government. In, in the world's eyes, that's a very successful job. You're a very, you were a very successful man. But as you start living for the Lord, what does God reveal to you? No, 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 no. I'm promoting you. You're going to be a preacher of the gospel. Could you ever imagine? Could you ever imagine? Brother Mark, his life in, in his hands, and again, I'm not saying that, is, that he was out of God's will. Please, I think you understand what I'm saying. He's a mechanic, a very successful mechanic. I think he could go to any of the dealerships in, in any one of these areas, and they'd probably hire him in an instant and pay him a lot of money for it. 
But as he starts living for the Lord and opening up, what does the Lord say? No, 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 I'm promoting you. Christian, the same thing happened to you. Ladies, did you ever, maybe you were working, I don't know, wherever you were working in secular and secular work and you were just kind of going along and, and doing what you thought was best and the Lord said, I want you to be a Sunday school teacher. And the first time he said that to you, you thought, what? There's no way. There's absolutely no way you could use it. How could, how could I fulfill a plan so divine? How could I fulfill a plan so immense and so important? Here's number two. As God provided people to complete his will back then, he'll provide people to complete his will now. God had a plan back then. He has a plan now. And as God provided people to fulfill that plan then, he'll provide people to fulfill the plan now. After God explained this incredible and elaborate plan in chapter 25 through 30, one of the last things he tells Moses is, don't worry, along with this plan, I am calling men by name to fulfill that plan. I have called by name Bezalel. I've called by name Aholiab so that they can make all that I told you to make. God's plan always brings God's provision. God's plan always brings God's provision. Just think about some practical things here. When God's plan needed a veil, he called a person by name who knew how to sew. When God's plan needed woodworking, he called a person by name who knew his way around a saw. When, when God's plan needed an ark of gold, he called a person by name who knew how to melt and mold metal. When God's plan needed hundreds of workers, he called a person by name who knew how to manage people and could lead people in that way. Along with God's vision for his people, he called people to fulfill that vision. He did it back then and he does the same thing now. And you can be certain tonight, whatever, God, whatever God's plan for our lives may need, God will provide you with everything that you need in order to fulfill it. As God calls for Heritage Baptist Church to do more for him, I believe he will also call people to serve in those ministries and to serve in those greater capacities. We need to start a new bus route. We had to uh, consolidate down for the moment, and it's going very well, but eventually we need to start a new bus route. And we have all the materials for it. We have a van. We have money to pay for the gas. We have a printer to print off flyers. We need people. We need people. We need men. And I don't believe that the Lord would give all the materials and then not give the person. We have an orchestra. We need musicians. We have a choir. We need singers. We have a ministry where we have special music. We need groups. We have a soul winning time. We need soul winners. And don't tell me that God is going to call a church to come to Corpus Christi and say, go soul winning and then not provide soul winners. He will provide soul winners. We have Sunday schools. Eventually, we're going to need more Sunday schools. We'll need teachers. Eventually, we're going to need to build. And we're going to need laborers. Don't have a heart attack. Eventually, I want to start a Bible institute. We're going to need teachers. Eventually, I would love to see that academy go to a traditional style where we have teachers where kids can go, but we're going to need those teachers. We're going to need the space in order to house it all. We'll need laborers in order to do all that. We'll need people. Now, here's what I truly wish to bring out tonight. You have a part in that. 
you have a part in that vision. You have a part in God's plan for this church. You have a role in its future. Number three, as God, calls those, as God called those men by name, he will call you by name. Yes, God has a plan. God's plan always brings provision. But most importantly, God's plan and provision are personal. They are personal plans. They are personal provisions. God saved no one to be idle. You know how I know that? Because if God saved you just to save you, he would have taken you to heaven right when he saved you. But he left you here. Why did he leave you here? I wish he would have taken me to heaven the moment that he saved me. But there's something to do here. What did Paul say? To die is gain. To die and to be with the Lord, that would be a wonderful gain to me. But as long as I live, I live for Christ. To me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If God didn't wish to call you by name, you wouldn't be here. God didn't save you just to save you. He saved you to use you. God didn't buy you just to put you on a shelf. He bought you to use you. It reminds me of a story. I bought my dad a sword for Christmas. A samurai sword. Because, you know, that's what Asians do. My dad had one. Uh, my dad had one. <laughs> Uh, when I was young, I remember him having one and he, for somewhere along the line, he lost it or sold it or I don't, I don't know. And uh, I wanted to get one for him again. Now, I bought it so that he could put it on a shelf. It was a souvenir, just kind of an heirloom type thing. No, my dad wanted to use it. So we went outside in the 15 degree weather in Illinois and we started playing Fruit Ninja, real Fruit Ninja. We had tangerines which is really hard to hit in the freezing. You're like, come on, throw it. <laughs> Trying to hit it like a baseball. But we had a pineapple. We found a pineapple. Ooh, that's big. So me and my brother, I took off the top of it, and then my brother did one, and we're like, Dad, Dad, you got to give it a try. And so I lofted it up to my dad, this beautiful brand new sword, I mean, sharp as could be. And he slices it in midair, and I think the adrenaline just got to him, and he takes it to the ground. Bam! <laughs> Chips up the blade and everything. I'm thinking, Dad, come on! You see me, in, it's, on, it's on camera. You see me in slow motion. Like, no! But a lot of times we as Christians think that God just bought us with his own blood to put us up on a shelf and just look at us, look at what I purchased. No, he wants to use you. Yeah, every once in a while, he has to beat me into the ground to get some use out of me. But I'd rather go to the grave bruised and bloody for Jesus than sitting up on a shelf dusty and never having him use me. He didn't create us because he was bored. He didn't create us to just wander around for 70 years or so and follow our own will. He created you for a specific purpose, for a divine purpose. And along with that purpose, he is filling you and he is surrounding you with everything you need in order to fulfill that purpose. God didn't just randomly call Bezalel by name to build things that he had no idea how to build. Are you following me? He didn't just randomly call Aholiab by name one day to administrate things that he had no idea how to administrate. God didn't just call workers by name to labor over things where they would have no idea what they were doing. From the moment that those people were born, he began to make them and mold them and teach them so that when he called them by name, they would know exactly what to do. And they would know exactly how to do it. Do you not believe God is that great? 
that he could do that? That before you were born, what did he tell Jeremiah? While you were in the belly, I knew thee and ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand. Okay. Do you not have plans for your children? Do you have plans and goals for your children? Now, I'm not saying that these plans need to negate God's plan. I'm not saying that. But you have goals for your children. You want them to be good citizens. You want them to be good students. You want them to be hard workers. You want them to be graduates. You want them to choose a spouse wisely. So what do you do from a very young age? You teach them. You correct them. You provide for them. You give them a Christian environment. You give them chores around the house because you're teaching. I want you to be a hard worker. I want you to be able to hold a job. So you need to learn how to hold down a chore before you go out and work for someone else. That's why we do those things. And it's a lot easier. We don't have to take out the trash on our own. I get that. But you're trying to teach them something. You give them rewards for their obedience. You monitor their entertainment, don't we? We monitor their entertainment. Every parent needs to look at their child after service and say, I have every right to go through your drawers, to go through your closet, to go through your internet history, to go through your phone, to go through your room at any time, and I will. Monitor their entertainment. Punish disobedience. Reward obedience. Put them in sports. Put them in martial arts. Do, do those different things. Now, there are some things that young ladies don't need to do that some men can do, and that's just a part of it. And then uh, eventually you, you give them a job because you, and you let them go and work because you want them to build character. But everything that we give them, everything we keep from them, is so that they can reach the goals that we have for them as a parent. Is our Heavenly Father any different? Do you think our Heavenly Father is going to treat us worse than we treat our children? Do you think that he is not going to set us up for success for his goal more than we set up our children for success for our goals? God gave Bezalel everything he needed so he could personally be a part of God's plan. He gave Aholiab everything he needed so he could personally serve God. He gave them the talents, the ability to learn, the ability to lead, the gift of administration, the desire to do those things. God gave them all of that because that was God's plan for them. So, ma'am, why did God give you that singing voice? So you could sing in the car or so you could sing in the choir in the church that he placed you in. Now, you agreed. We're here for a reason. Why did he give you that singing voice? Some of you are, just have a beautiful singing voice. I don't like you. Some of you can't carry a tune in a bucket. Some of you can't find the bucket. But the Lord said nothing about making a good noise. He says, make a joyful noise. You stand up here and say watermelon and scream at the top of your lungs like a hyena howling at the moon. But you let the Lord know, Lord, you gave me this voice and I'm going to use it for you. Sir, why did God give you patience with children? Listen, listen, is God calling you by name to be a part of the bus ministry? Is God calling you by name to be a part of the children's ministry? Why did God give you all that private time? Listen, is God calling you by name to be a prayer warrior? To spend extra time in prayer that some others can't? Why did God give you the love of teaching? Listen, is God calling you to teach in a Christian school someday? Sir, why is God giving you that desire to do more for him? Listen, is God calling you to preach? Is he calling you to be a missionary? Is he calling you to be an evangelist? And what do you say? No, there's no way. Uh, we already talked about that. 
You may ask, how could I ever fulfill such a plan? Because it's God's plan. And God's plan always brings God's provision. And God's plans and God's provision are personal. Lift up your eyes. God has a plan and a provision for you. And there will come a day, if it hasn't come already, he's going to call you by name. And there's going to be no escaping it. Answer the call. He won't call forever. But until then, I want to give you just these four things and then we'll be done. Just really quickly here. Until that day that God calls you by name, would you write these down? Be faithful. Number one, be faithful. God has a specific will for your life, something that only you can do. But there's also a general will for every Christian, something that every Christian is called to do. And if you are not faithful in the general will, God will not show you the specific will. If we are not faithful to church, why would we be faithful to a ministry? If we are not faithful to give of our time now, why would, we be, why would we be faithful to give of our time later when God calls us to do more? Luke chapter 16, 10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. You want to show God that you can handle a Sunday school class? Be here for Sunday school every single week, as if you were the teacher. You want to show God that you can handle a bus route? Love the bus kids now. Go out bus visiting now. You want to show God that you are able to be used more and that you can handle more finances? Handle your finances now. You want to show God that you want to do more in the, in the um, area of music? Use your talents for him now in every way that you can. Luke 16 also says, he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. I have a lot of people that come up and say, I want to do more and I want to do this, I want to do this, and they're not even doing the basic. Jeremiah asked this question, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, how will you contend with the horses? There's some great truth in that. If we can't even keep up with the footmen and we say, put us in, the, put us in with the horsemen, we're not going to last. Number two, be flexible. Until God calls you by name, be flexible. What do I mean by that? Be willing to do whatever. Be willing to do whatever. Scrub toilets. Visit bus kids. Go out on the bus that's 90 degrees. Clean the church. Clean the van, whatever it may be. Be flexible. For 15 years, David knew that he was supposed to be king. Do you know that? For 15 years, he knew that he was supposed to be king. But until God called him by name, he was happy to be a shepherd, a harp player, and a soldier. Be whatever God wants you to do until he calls you by name. Number three, be patient. Be patient. Paul spent three years in Arabia before he started in his earthly ministry. Remember, it was when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount that they built the golden calf. They became impatient. And they said, we want to worship God in our way, and they messed things up. Be patient. God's will must be done in his time, and faithful time is never wasted time. Write that down. Faithful time is never wasted time. Be patient. God has a plan for you, and it will come in his perfect time. When it does come, don't put it off. Answer the call. Number four, be ready. Be ready. Be faithful. Be flexible. Be patient and be ready. He will call you by name. Answer that call. 
And remember, God will not call you to do anything that he has not equipped you to do. 1 Timothy 1.12 says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord that he hath enabled me and that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.